Podcasts are an independent way for podcasters like me to bring a local voice to your ears. At the Spent the Rent Podcast, we strive to raise awareness of topics that affect the often underrepresented. Our title sponsor, Oregon Cashflow Pro, offers free money management advice that can help you take control of your finances. At OregonCashflowPro.com, you will find videos to guide you towards your goal of financial freedom. For more info, there will be a link in the show notes. The following podcast is available on all major streaming sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can now listen to all previous episodes, donate to the podcast, and buy shirts directly from the Spent the Rent podcast at our newly designed official website, strpod.com. Welcome to the Spent the Rent Podcast. I am your host, Patty Rose. My guest today from Day in the Life Entertainment is Trey Day. Trey, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate you for contacting me and we be able to do this interview. Yeah, this is really cool. You had came into the barber shop and you were doing some promotion for your uh, business, Day in the Life Entertainment, which we're going to talk to you about, talk to you about at length. But I was really inspired by your work ethic and your kindness and your warm energy. So, you know, you had talked to me about doing the cross promotion that we're going to talk to you in a bit about the Barber's Community Art Show. Right. And I thought it showed a lot of guts walking into another barbershop promoting a different barbershop. But the owner of that barbershop, Elijah Mack, and the owner of my barbershop, George Dudley, they're pretty close. They're pretty, you know, they're, they're on good terms. And we're not competitive when it comes to other businesses. We're just kind of making, you know, there's enough to go around. So right. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different topics we're going to discuss, but first I want to talk mostly just about your business, uh, Day in the Life Entertainment. Why don't you tell us about what Day in the Life Entertainment is? Okay, so Day in the Life Entertainment is event planning, talent scout, promotion, and entertainment coordination. So these are three, like four different things that I do all together. So when I have someone contact me, um, it just depends if they need help with the event, I can help them with planning the event. If they're an artist and they need help with getting more outreach with their music, that's when the promotion comes into play. Um, say if I see uh, a person who's making music, but he doesn't have a lot of a backing uh, with his music, that's when the talent scout comes into play. And then with entertainment coordination, um, I kind of try to find bigger gigs or uh, bigger names in the industry. And I try to offer my services as a volunteer or for a small fee where I can assist with that bigger name and, you know, and we can get something to work. Uh, that's when the internet entertainment coordination comes into place. So right. I so a lot what are some of the events you've done? I noticed uh, just kind of looking around, doing some research for this interview that you've done hip hop karaoke. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I work with a, a guy by the name of Jared. Um, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he contacted me because I was doing a lot of events in town. Uh, and he works at the O Bar, which right. is located across the street from Stadium Park. Um, and what we have is a hip-hop karaoke night where we allow two local artists to come in. And um, so for an hour, hour and a half, we'll let people kind of, you know, warm up with some hip-hop karaoke. And we're not, you know... We're not just saying it's just hip hop karaoke. If you want to do a song that's R and B, 
or if you want to do a rock song, you know, we allow that as well. But we just kind of want to warm everybody up, get everybody comfortable, and then we'll allow an artist to kind of come out there and, you know, kind of do their own thing. But yeah, hey, see if you can center that out a little bit. You're shrinking. <laughs> so there you go. So uh, yeah, so then uh, tell us more about the Barber Community Art Show. That was back in March, February. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the Barber's Community Art Show. Uh, a good friend of mine, Deontay Carter, uh, he contacted me and wanted to have a, an event. Um, and he wanted to have a sort of event so that he could do outreach for his company. And uh, it could be a collaboration with my company as well so I could get my name out there. And um, we were we were sitting down and we were kind of just planning on what we wanted to do. And um, uh, 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 the owner of Supernature Barbershop, Elijah Mack, um, we contacted him and, and told him, hey, you know, is there any way that we can, um, you know, use your space? And uh, a good friend, Aaron Thompson, uh, which is uh, his relative to Elijah Mack, uh, I knew him and I was like, hey, you know, maybe you can kind of juice him up and kind of, you know, let him know if we can use the space. And, you know, we can also get you out there because uh, Aaron's a graphic designer. So it was just kind of looking at Aaron as the the middleman of the of the event sure. and kind of just saying like, hey, you know, go to Elijah, ask him if we can use the space. And then from there, me and Deontay met with Elijah and then we set up the event and we had a meeting with, uh, it was about six artists and sat down with them and kind of just went over like, hey, we're just trying to be able to promote local artists. Um, we'll let you guys, if you sell anything at the event, um, you keep 100% of the proceeds. You know, we were we were just trying to allow uh, an event where a local artist can just kind of get their work out and, uh, you know, make some money from it. That's a cool idea to have it in a barbershop. I know, especially in the black neighborhoods that the barbershop is like a community, sure. community center, you know? So, uh, you know, everybody's flavoring across the world in the barbershops are a little bit different, but I think for everybody, the place where everyone can come together, you can still be a little bit more crass than other places. <laughs> you know, you can be your true self. Right. And, right. And so right. I thought That's that was a cool right. concept. Yeah, you know, that was the reason why we chose the barbershop because, you know, when you go into the barbershop, like you say, it's just kind of like, you know, anything can be said. Nobody's going to judge you, you know, just like with artists, you know, you can put your artwork out there. Nobody's going to judge you. You know, if somebody likes it and they want to pay for it, hey, you got your fan right there. That I feel like that's more powerful than just, you know, getting booked for, for a show and stuff sure. like that. Now, you mentioned Aaron. Did you say Aaron Thompson? Is he who's doing the flyers like for that event? that you post yeah, on Facebook so, and stuff. So yeah. on your, in the show notes, uh, I'll go ahead and list the Facebook page and your Instagram, but the Facebook page is a good place for people to find information about day in the life entertainment. You can see the work that Aaron's done with the graphic design work and then the leg work that you're doing, putting these shows together, bringing people together of all different walks of life. That's really cool. Uh, you know, how has your business model been affected by COVID? It's a lot harder to reach out to people and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, the majority of the income I was getting was from live shows. Um, so like the old bar. And I also had two shows uh, that was coming up in March and another one in April. But due to the COVID, I wasn't able to uh, successfully do them. Um, but yeah, I, I've lost a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fans. Yeah. Also, yeah, a lot of revenue. Um, I also uh, put money into those uh, shows and, you know, with the COVID I haven't, you know, received that money back because that was all put towards that event. So now um, how long has day in the life entertainment kind of been off the ground? Is this a fairly new project for you? Yeah. So, uh, last year around June, um, I kind of came up with an idea like, Hey, 
you know, where do I see myself in 10 years? I just didn't want to be working at a nine to five job or, you know, just trying to be a professional student. So I was like, hey, I'm going to figure out a way where I can be able to make an income for myself, but also help the people that I know who are artists. Right. And then, you know, from there, I started getting connection with different venues and, you know, teaming up with different people who have art galleries and things like that and just kind of plug and play, you know, doing my services and also helping out friends that I know who are talented artists. Yeah, that's one of the hardest things about with COVID because as a gig worker, you were then for the first time ever eligible for unemployment, you know, because you're an independent contractor, but you have to show some form of what you did last year. So for people like you start this new business within the last, you know, calendar year or whatnot, it's really hard to get, you know, anything on paper because it's all potentials, you know, it's, and to prove what you could have lost, it's, it's almost impossible, you know, because uh, nobody knows how a show is going to go, especially with the starting out uh, organization, you know, it's, it's, and in this town, I mean, fortunately we're, we're blessed with a ton of different types of artists, musicians, everything. Right. But that being said, there's just so much competition that it's really tough to get a good draw. And it's really tough to get your point across just from a flyer about what exactly, you know, what the event you're trying to hold. So that can be a, a huge challenge. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. So one of the things that Day in the Life Entertainment does is you have artists that you're trying to get onto, you know, a label essentially. Uh, what, are, what are the kind of artists that you look for? Um, so it varies. Uh, I look for hip hop artists. I also look for painters. Um, I also look for producers. Um, I, I look for uh, dancers. Um, I, I look for a variety of different artists. So, um, you know, whether that be dance, you know, music, uh, painting, I just kind of plug and play. So plug the shows, obviously you have your hand in different things. So like the, the karaoke is specifically going to be karaoke. Right. But for bigger events is the goal to kind of bring a lot of different people together, kind of more of a festival kind of feel. Is that like a long-term goal? Yes. So um, with bigger events, I try to make it more uh, diverse. So I try to bring in uh, kind of R&B, hip hop, uh, uh, some some bands, if I can get a hold of them. So yeah, with the bigger events, I try to get a more diverse setting so that more people can draw. Because, you know, uh, Eugene is just, you know, EDM. It's everybody kind of, you know, sits with their genre. So I try sure. to create it where all different aspects of different genres can be in one location. That's always been one of my favorite things to do. I was part of uh, putting together a festival called uh, Unity in the Community up to McKenzie. Oh, that's cool. We had reggae and hip hop and yeah. like uh, all kinds of stuff together. That kind of works, reggae and hip hop. But we also had like almost country. We had a couple guys doing like 90s alternative rock covers. It was pretty fun. And yeah, it, yeah. it was definitely set up to be mixed genre. It's actually funny, Unity in the Community, because it was me and my girl's ex, which is her boy's dad. So like true unity in the community, we came together and it was a lot of fun. You know, him and I, get yeah. along, we get along really well, but, but uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, and those kind of events are, are a kick. And again, I know how it can go putting together a show because that was up to McKenzie. So we had, I don't know, 200 people or, or right under, and we mm -hmm. were pretty excited about that number because that's a community of like, I don't know, 3000 or something or less. Right. <laughs> you right. know, so, population layer. Yeah, you got a yeah, population is there. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, I mean, I know that one of the things that is good about promotion and self promotion with the kind of work you do is by going face to face, by going into businesses, and that's just cut off right now. Right. But when you don't have the 
name recognition, it's really difficult, which is why I wanted to have you on because this gives people an opportunity to follow your socials. The links will be in the show notes, Day in the Life Entertainment. So we'll talk a little bit about that as this goes on. One of the, you wear many hats. So one of the other things that you do is you're a student at Lane Community College right. and you are the president of the Black Student Union. I'd like you to tell us how that came to be and what your role as the president entails. Okay, so um, I started at Lane Community College in 2018. Um, and when I first started, I seen on campus that um, there wasn't a lot of uh, POCs on campus like that. So I just wanted to kind of find an uh, organization or a group of people where I could kind of relate to them. Um, and a good friend of mine named Jeremy, he kind of told me about the Black Student Union. Um, and then I just went to one of the meetings and kind of uh, got to know some of the people in the organization. And then like a couple months later, I was like, you know, I want to I get a little bit more serious with it. So um, I started out as a secretary and then I uh, worked my way up as the vice president and then now to the uh, president. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty good. And that get, looks pretty damn good on a resume. And I'm sure that the yeah. organization that you do is really big. Now, the rallies, I noticed you've been posting some pictures that you've been you know, very present at the rallies. Is that a connection? Do you kind of get the people organized through some of the people you know through Lane? I know that there's also people in the community, but how is the... Uh, Lane has Lane been supportive of the of the kind of outreach you're doing through the the rallies? Yes. So uh, LCC Black Student Union, um, some of the members of the organization are taking upon themselves to kind of conduct some of the rallies that we see in Eugene. Right. Um, and the main thing that we want to kind of put towards the community members is um, we're doing this as a peaceful protest. We're not out here trying to vandalize or do anything like that. Um, and with this, this is giving each member. Um, traits that they can use later down in the road and also be able to use this on their resume to say, hey, you know, during the time of George Floyd's death, I was able to conduct the rally in a peaceful protest right. and also to educate community members, you know, so we kind of um, put it upon ourselves to do these things, you know, because, you know, we're, we can't do anything on campus. Yeah. And it sucks when it gets hijacked, when the whole conversation is focused on looting. I mean, we're, you know, as a barbershop, I'm not the owner, but as an employee, I'm an independent contractor. So, I mean, essentially I kind of do own my own, my own stake in it. We're sitting here thinking constantly about, do we board up the windows and, you know, all these different things. And so it's really unfortunate because there's a select small, 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 small group of people that typically are white in Eugene that are doing this destruction that aren't, I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen one example in Eugene of looting by a black person. I have not seen one image of it, you know, now across the country in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. We've seen some shit. Let's be real. Yeah. Real talk. Yeah. Yeah. Opportunists, no matter what. And that, you know, that's across the board, but I haven't seen it in Eugene. And so I think it's really telling about what, what this is about and the people that are organizing these events, because a lot of them, they have to get permits, you know? And right. so, in order to get the permits, the city has to know that you have a message that you're trying to get across. And so, you know, it's crucial that people understand that there's a separation between the riots and the protests and the rallies, exactly. you know. I've been impressed with seeing some of my white friends that aren't usually that vocal about politics, which a race shouldn't be political. I mean, it, let's just be real, but have never vocalized extreme views because they don't want to rock the boat. Now I see people that are getting really aggressive. And these are the people that we've needed to speak out for so long because they're so thoughtful that they're calling out people 
that are using faith, like weaponizing their faith, you know, to, to basically hold people back. Now, how do you feel or do you feel that this time is different? Um, so looking back in history, um, I do feel that this, what we're seeing now uh, has already happened in history. But I do feel that right now it, it's amplified. I do feel that right now at this time, um, a lot of people are, are tired, you know, because um, this is a reflection of America. This is a reflection of the things that we have been going through for so long. And now people are fed up. So right. like you say, that people um, that you have seen, like, hey, you know, they, they express these type of views, but they wouldn't express it to the aggressive nature that they're doing now. You know, and I feel like, you know, this is the time where, you know, we we really got to think about the future and the next generation, because if not, you know, are we going to be just going through the history repeats itself again? Are we gonna... I mean, we're seeing a lot of parallels to the 60s that right. We, right. we've all read up on. And I mean, we all know what happened in the 60s is assassinations. And I hope that that's not next. I hope that we can keep this nonviolent, you know, and I hope that we can. And uh, it's pretty scary when. The police, I saw a meme and it said something about how the police are going to, they're like, I'll kill you if you keep saying that we kill you, <laughs> you know, and it's like, eh. yeah, I don't know. And, you know, nobody's trying to say that it's everybody in the cops, but something's got to give. I mean, obviously this, I, what's telling to me is seeing, you know, I don't want to throw her under the bus, but like my stepmom, for example, she's a very great person, but she, she lives in this box. And if you're outside of this box, then she doesn't see what you're doing. And so she has started posting support for the family of George Floyd. She's talking about the nuances to this issue in that, like with the rioting, because a lot of times people just see the destruction of property. Of and course. That's, that's tangible to them because they don't want to face the facts that we have a systematic oppression that's been built since the very beginning of this nation. You know, you exactly. Know? And that element of it, that's why when people will make the argument they'll say well more white people get killed by cops every year and it's like for one there's more white people <laughs> and so the numbers well, don't for two <laughs> that's the every situation is nuanced the george floyd one was an example that is not there's no way to swing it there's no buy and pass what we're seeing on camera you know somebody and that, in the back is not is never acceptable i don't care and, you know what i mean like there's no reason that you know, that's not that the officer was afraid for their life. Like that's just out of control to have that argument, you know? And so it's unfortunate that it had to happen obviously, but I do feel like George Floyd's name is not going to go down without, you know, being somebody that's remembered as, and that's the, that's the harsh reality is, is that that guy didn't choose this. No. You know what I mean? And, and so people want to honor that as much as they can, but that's really difficult. Now, I wanted to ask you in a different light, too. You see I'm wearing a Colin Kaepernick jersey. I do. Uh, uh, with the NFL making statements like they have lately, your personal opinion, and I also want to add this. I learned a long time ago, growing up in Oregon, you know, it is what it is, but I don't have a lot of black friends. I don't know a lot of black people because it's just the population density in, in Oregon, especially Eugene. And I was asking one of my friends who, who's black, and I was like, what do black people think about this? And he said, well, you're going to have to ask them individually because everybody has a different opinion. And right. that was a light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh, my God, like you're not asking an entire race of people. So I'm asking you personally as Trey, what okay. do you think? Do you think that the NFL is acting too late? Do you think it's too little too late? Are you happy with 
the way that the NFL is responding, even if it's late, and your take on on the whole Colin Kaepernick thing? Um, you know, to be honest, uh, I feel that the NFL uh, they're 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 pitiful. I'm sorry to say, but they are pitiful. Um, for for somebody who is in your organization who who put his life on the line for the game of football, and to say, hey, you know, I want to make a stand personally, make a stand. Not to say that everybody has to 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 believe, because everybody has their opinion. But for for one player in your organization to say, hey, I want to make a stand, and he makes a gesture of taking a knee, and then you want to bash him, kick him out, and everything like this, and then now you're seeing what's been going on with this person personally, and now you want to stand up when everybody was trying to tell you. Because when, once Ke- Colin Kaepernick took that knee, everybody did the due diligence of doing it. And it was just because they felt the same way he felt personally. Right. Just him doing it personally, that reflected on everybody else because we all know it's there. African-Americans in the NFL knew that that was there, but it took Colin Kaepernick personally to do it. And then for the NFL to say, oh, well, if anybody kneels, then it's consequences upon you, as well as the president said that there would be consequences upon people. And he didn't stop there. And I'll say he didn't stop there. He called called sons of bitches. Like, he's like, all you sons of bitches. I mean, and that's a different animal because he's – this is his this is the breaking point in this country because if we had a different president as the as the president, I don't care who it is. It doesn't have to be Obama. I'm saying it could be George W. Bush right now. He would get out there and say something thoughtful enough. Any president other than Trump would say something thoughtful enough that he'd be like, "Look, we don't understand why this is happening, why people are going crazy. How can we come together? We we need to work as Americans, you know, not to cut you off. You can No, you're going. good. No, no, you, you you're good. That point right there, you took it upon him saying he's disrespecting the whole United States of America, not looking at the fact that, hey, what's the problem? Can we address this problem? You know what I'm saying? Instead of it getting to this point where we're at now, because what, what I just seen an interview with Donald Trump saying, oh, um, you know, I apologize for the death of George Floyd. Um, you know, I really, you know, I really, I really show my condolences and things like this nature. But where was that with Colin Kaepernick? Where was that with all of these people who were kneeling when you called them sons of bitches? Right. And he also also said that today would be is a great day for George Floyd looking down because the economy is doing well or whatever. You know, and the reality is I talked before about opportunists in, in turning protests into violent riots. Donald Trump is nothing more than an opportunist. All he is, is he's using it as fodder for support. Now, Donald Trump is not he's not he he got this opportunity because of organizations like Fox News. And Fox News was who was beating the drum against Colin Kaepernick trying to make it they know their audience that in its yes. all market research. Now, with what you're doing with your entertainment, you know, group, as you grow, market research is how you find out if you're if you're just throwing money at nothing, you know. Exactly. And so when yeah. they they're like this is what people are looking for. And so let's just beat that drum constantly. Sometimes I wonder what comes first. It's like the chicken and the egg thing. Is it Fox News or is it the angry 70-year-old white man? <laughs> you know? Right. No, no. You have, a, you have a strong point there because at the end of the day, when you look at our society, money rules the world. You know what I mean? And with going back to your question about the NFL, um, I feel like the NFL is now using this as, a, as, a, as an analytic where, hey, you know, this is brewed up. 
now let's use this as a, as a momentum so that people can shift towards us and look at Kaepernick in the, in the limelight. So now more people are supporting us because when everything was going on, there was a lot of people saying F the uh, NFL because of what Kaepernick did and they did not support what he did. Right. You know what I, mean? I mean, one thing I've heard from a lot of different people is saying, if I, if you ask the question, is it too little too late? They say, let's wait, let's wait to answer that till there's results because anybody can get out and have lip service and say, you know, change is going to come. We're going to do some, t- you know, but you know, like one of the examples I saw that Ivanka Trump was going to give a commencement speech at Wichita state and people were like, no. And there's, there's this whole cancel culture argument in colleges, right? They're like, no, we're not going to let her speak at this, or we don't want her to speak at this. This is our day that we worked hard for. And though she has said things that are, are thoughtful of the bigger picture. We'll just put it that way. You know, the actions, if she's a senior advisor to the administration, the actions should show no, you know, step in the right direction. So, and I encourage people, I'm not super versed on that. I watched something in passing, but it's very true that if, unless you're going to, you know, you can speak a big game, but unless your actions are going to show. And yeah. And that's where I think that in this situation today, what we've seen in Eugene is we've seen people putting their money where their mouth is. If they're quiet, if they're not somebody that wants to be out marching or, Maybe they're worried about COVID. You know, this is the other underlying issue that you have to stay home and stay safe right now if that's, if that's what's going to work for you because we don't know. I mean, I would hate to see the numbers spike, but I think they're going to. But I, I think for those people, they've been donating money. And there's people that are doing their part, even on social media. Now, normally, I don't think that just posting something on social media is going to make a difference. No. It is changing minds when your, your friend – I'm so outspoken that my friend group has weeded itself out. <laughs> you know, that people have deleted me and I've blocked other people because we're so, you know, we're buttonheads. Right. So I was talking about that with a good friend of mine uh, about uh, we're living in a time now where if you have a certain view about something, that's going to be to the forefront. And that's that's going to determine your friendships. You know, the way it's you hard, view yeah. things now is going to determine your friendships with people. It's hard. I wish everything could be more like how this is funny to say, I don't drink, but I wish things could be more like how it is at a bar. Now with your, <laughs> no, no, I feel you. I feel you. Cause it's with, all truth. You with, know, when you drink the right. truth comes out. <laughs> and with day in the life, in, day in the life entertainment, you know, you're doing stuff through bars. I mean, that's a lot of the, the O bar and different places. Right. O bar is actually a really good example of a place that I do feel like in my experience, there's always exceptions, but there's been a welcoming of different races of different people kind of come together I'm not going to name names, but there's a few bars that I'm sure when you walk in, people are like, what do you need? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, you know, <laughs> I try not to do business with those bars and, and they know that, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, no, no, no shame in their game. You know, they can do what they want. Um, but I do feel that there are a lot of business owners in Eugene who feel the same way about my vision, about getting multiple diverse people in one setting so that they can have those conversations and in a in a good setting because it's kind of hard to just you can't just walk down the street and just say hey how do you feel about racism yeah you know <laughs> but when you go to- <laughs> starbucks is funny you remember when starbucks is trying what were your thoughts on that when starbucks was like you know you're we're gonna welcome our employees to talk to the customers about race and it's like dude i just want a cup of coffee like <laughs> you know and then they got in the hot water because i think cops came and then there's two african-american guys that right. were Right, 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 right. So they tried to make a stand on that. They they actually closed down every Starbucks so that they could work on um, cultural competency and stuff like that. 
I mean, it's something. See, this is where, you know, sometimes this stuff backfires or it looks tone deaf, but you have to hand it to them because and it's funny because their windows get smashed every time that there's a riot. <laughs> but you have to hand it to them that we're talking about how you're going to change policy. Well, that's how you change policy. You make efforts. And so sometimes you're going to look stupid and clumsy, you know, especially if you try to dance and you're white. That's just the way it goes. For sure. But those, <laughs> um, to com- those uncomfortable, don't mean to cut you off, those uncomfortable settings. It's how you learn about yourself. It's right. how you learn about your business. You know, yeah, you might, some people are going to doubt what you're doing, but once you get out there and you're uncomfortable, you're going to learn like, hey, you know, it was it was better to do this than to hide behind it because now look at Starbucks. They're like, wait a minute. Everybody's like, that's how y'all felt the whole time. I mean, like the company is being seen, but it's like now that you're pushing that, now you're pushing the envelope. Now more people are seeing like, okay, at least they're taking the measures to try to change. You know what I'm saying? Let's give them for that. Let's give them that. I think the big thing that I have learned, like I mentioned before, and how I, you know, I'm fortunate that in my job where I work on campus, I get to talk to people from not only all over the country, but all over the world. And so I've gotten, I've had the opportunity to meet people from like Brazil and Saudi Arabia and Bolivia and China and Korea. And it's insane. Africa, you know, from, from Ghana, you know, and just all kinds of different places. But one thing I've learned about, about race is that it's really important that we look at each other as an individual. Every one of us is an individual, but we're all part of one collective. Now there's going to be cultural things that we should all celebrate and that we should look at culturally. So when you're asking somebody about race, you're going to ask about culture, <laughs> you know, that's what you're asking about. Not, you know, so, cause our experiences are definitely different and there's pros and cons to both. I know for a lot of white people, their, their biggest Thing they talk about poverty in the african-american community and they're like what about me i was poor as shit growing up you know and so they don't understand opportunity and i think you you'll answer this but i i mean black people a lot of times are like i want you to survive too i want you to strive too and like thrive too like it's not about this is the thing where black lives matter gets lost for people they choose to make it get lost let's be real but they're because they don't look at it as as equality and equity they look at it as like something has to be taken from them like like, like the world is a pie. <laughs> right, right, right. No, I understand what you're saying. You know, I understand what you're saying because the per- it's all about the perception of how you look at it. Because right. um, a lot of African Americans in the community, we're not saying like, you know what I mean? We're trying to take every, we're, you know, we're trying to take over the world. Like, no, no, we're, we're, we're simply stating the facts. We're simply stating the facts. And sometimes the truth hurts, man. The truth hurts. Well, and, of, history, and, of history, exactly. I mean, absolutely. One thing that, uh, you know, I, this sounds bad when I say this sometimes because I'm a white person with privilege and I acknowledge it, but my ancestry is Irish. And if you know the history of the Irish people, now I'm not saying that I can separate myself from, from privilege. That being said, if we, as, for white people, if they start to look at their origin hist- story, they're going to see relatable experiences. Oh, you're hitting it right on the nail. I was just talking about this with somebody, man. Like they didn't even understand that um, Europeans were enslaving their own people exactly. at a point in time. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Before they went to other countries and started enslaving people, they ran that on their own people. So it's just, it's hard for people to even grasp that concept because they only been projected of their culture oppressing another culture, not themselves being oppressed by their own people. Well, and I think for a lot of people, that's what America promised. That's what America, so it's a letdown for right. people in this country 
that not that I feel sorry for him, but it's a reality. And this is how we squash this kind of issues is like you said, learn our history, embrace the reality that we don't want to repeat that kind of stuff and then celebrate our differences and our similarities. Exactly. You know, and I mean, we should be, that's what sports bring. And that's why I wanted to bring in Colin Kaepernick because sports bring people together and sports is the great equalizer. I say it all the time. Michael Jordan was not, he was a pioneer without saying a word. Now he's being very vocal, which is great. But during his career, he's like, I just want to play basketball. Yep. What he did was he wasn't the best black athlete. He was the best athlete, period. Right. You know, and Venus Williams is now the best athlete across the board in any sport. Right. <laughs> you know, that's my opinion. And so, it, you know, well, Trey, it's really cool to meet you uh, formally. And I mean, we talked for 10 minutes before in the past, but uh, as things get reopened and you're able to do events, I, you know, I'll find ways to plug them on the podcast and we can do some cross promotions and I'll have you back on. I want you in the studio so that the audio quality and video quality is not, you know, we're not hitting with it right now, but Zoom's working. And I think it's cool because we're still doing what we can for, you know, to build community. So and I appreciate doing that. this. In the show notes of this, there's going to be links to your Instagram and your business page for Day in the Life Entertainment. Everybody should check that out. I'm going to do one thing that I like to do as well, where I, and this is a way that anybody can help any small business. You go on Facebook, you go to the communities tab where it says your friend, it says invite, or it says, uh, there's a thing right there that says like who, who your mutual friends or whatever. You can also invite all. So I'm going to invite all my friends to follow your page and see how that works. That would be dope. That would be dope. I appreciate that. So Trey Day, it was an honor talking to you. Uh, this is, this is uh, if they're watching or listening to it's already live, but we're going to get this up. It's like 2.30 now. We're going to try to do it like 4 o'clock. So, oh, last thing. We're going to end it with a song. I always like to end it with a local song. So you had personally picked a friend of yours. And yeah. it was, uh, you tell us about that. The song is called Dear Best Friend by Chosen. Tell us about this song. Um, so Chosen is a local artist. Um, he's from California. Um, spent some time in Las Vegas, but um, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, I met him uh, at an event, at a Black Student Union event. Um, he told me that he was an artist and he's just, you know, trying to work his way up, get some content out there. And he just released uh, uh, an EP called uh, Reinvention. Uh, I want to say that this EP was dropped about three months or four months ago. And um, he's just trying to get more promotion on it and stuff like that. So I'm just doing my due diligence to get that music out there for him. It's a good song. You know, the song we're going to play, it's called Dear Best Friend. It's really positive. And uh, we'll have to talk off the off air a little bit about Distro Kid and ways, because this, this song is only on SoundCloud right now. Right, right. Distro Kid is an awesome tool for up and coming artists, because I think it's like 20 bucks a year for each artist to upload their music. And then it goes to Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff. Oh, it's yeah. really, really inexpensive. So we'll have to talk about that off air. And I'm all about trying to help with, I mean, I've been making music for a long time and I do it for myself. I, I don't ever have any weird idea that it's going to blow up, but that's how this podcast started was the Spent the Rent Records is what my record label is, like day in the life for you. You know, it's just something that's like a multi-pronged approach. It's so much. You know, so. Well, this is, uh, we're going to end it. So Trey Day, appreciate you doing this. This is Dear Best Friend by Chosen. Let's lose ourselves in the midst of friendship and happiness. 
Love is a title that seems to destroy the magic shit. So no more holding hands. The thought of lips is oh so vague. I cannot trust another soul to soul connection, babe. Confession day, it's all a play. The world's a stage and puppets way. Black is the heaviest heart, and no way I still can't hate. Even though the void, deep space, I'm pushing day to day. So I release all this pain and sorrow through poetry. Amongst the masses, finally I see these colors mashing into a gray. The playground of the real should have stayed old fashioned. I watch you float away and swing until your heart is gold. Then puff my medicine, light up like Edison. Now here we go with conversation as deep as an empty well of hope. We politic and laugh at ignorance, my friend, for sure. I stand on top of the table, last to say, King of the world. And you just laugh and say, I'm silly, a little boy and girl. Having fun until the sun would rise and then the night is done. But we are young, past being dumb, trying to find our way when heaven comes. I found that forcing or pushing too hard can quickly break two friends apart. This is natural, let's go back to start. Or have we grown to go our separate ways and live in dark with mental walls? Guess love ain't for the fainted heart. Emotions holding the logic at hostage, vision impaired to the nonsense. This here is the reason love is blind. Gotta use the knowledge of heartbreak as my armor, my soul isn't numb. It's stronger, believe this angel's fine. It's just the world that we live in has a plague, and the people have become the problem. The evil is mankind. And I just wanted to say that to you. Dear best friend, I hope you're doing all right. Peace.